Morgan, everyone. This is Dan Duva. Welcome to SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. Another edition of SLGND, two in just three days. Uh, Dan Duva here, Gary Lawless again. We've also added the Sheriff Shane Knighty to the mix as we roll along amidst the NHL pause. We've got some news to get to. We'll also get to some of the, the topics that uh, we didn't quite cover in the podcast the other day when it was just Dan and Gary. And then we'll check in and uh, see what's going on at the Nighty household as well. So, gentlemen, uh, good to be with you. Again, we are in separate locations. The miracle of modern technology has us connected uh, by the Internet so we can talk to each other and uh, continue to social distance. So uh, how's it going, guys? Well, I find it very interesting that, Dan, you are uh, in your palace on the strip. <laughs> I'm in my home office, and Nighty is in bed. Shane is laying in bed as comfortable as he could be. This is uh, this is something else. I am outnumbered. Dan has himself. You have one child. I have three that are homeschooled. All desks are occupied uh... because they are not allowed in their room to do homework. So, thus, I have only one place to go that maybe might be quiet because there's dogs roaming around. There's children <laughs> everywhere. This is the, my place of quiet right you now. The trouble is you're setting a precedent yeah. here, Shane. Everybody's going to want to do the podcast from their bed. This is not going to be a good look. You can at least sit in a chair, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's like we're... It's I'm comfy. Like, <laughs> there you are. Good enough. All right. That's good. Well, uh, the, one of the, the big things where we wanted to make sure we, we got uh, a discussion in today on SLGND is some pretty significant news um, that was not out just a couple of days ago when we published our last podcast. It wasn't even out yesterday, Gary, when you were on with Darren Millard on the VGK broadcast from the studio, but it did come out this morning. Um, so we wanted to get a podcast in order real quick, and that is that the Golden Knights have pledged a minimum of $500,000 to assist the part-time game day employees and the arena hourly on-call staff uh, for the missed Golden Knights games. And right now, uh, obviously, one Golden Knights game that had been scheduled has been missed, but potential of three more, and we certainly expect that they will not be played on schedule. Um, it is a matter of uh, when they might ultimately be played, but should those games be canceled, uh, there is this pool of money now, a minimum of $500,000 uh, that is going to be made available for those people and uh, you know just that news today uh, amid a lot of concern and um, wondering what might be next uh, guys it's just uh, at least some positive to take from what's been going on the last few days here yeah it certainly is and you know I, I happen to know that this has been in the works for quite some time it, it, it's complicated because these people don't just work for the Golden Knights um, you know, Bill Foley has been in the background, has been ready to step forward on this for some time, but uh, he's not the only employer involved in this. So it took a while to kind of get this arranged. And um, in the end, Bill Foley and uh, the Golden Knights organization and Marc-Andre Fleury with uh, a contribution of $100,000 uh, leading the player contributions has really... Um, they've stepped up. But just to be clear, not everyone that works at a Golden Knights game works for the Golden Knights, but these funds are going to cover all of those people. So uh, anyone who works 
at a Golden Knights game that's a part-time employee that was going to be affected by this, whether they work for the Golden Knights or for another entity, they're, they're, if these games are missed and eventually uh, canceled, not just suspended, they will receive funds for that. And I'm going to read from the press release in a moment here, guys. But Shane, just, you know, as someone who has been on the player's side of thing, a lot of these have been fueled by players. Marc-Andre Fleury is committing $100,000 himself. Um, just from a player standpoint, thinking about all of the people that are involved in making an organization go, it seems like the Golden Knights and the players in particular very much aware of that. Oh, absolutely. And I think you see a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury who's such – He's so beloved in this town already. We know about his, you know, his successes on ice. We hear about how good off the ice, and this just kind of reiterates, you know, what a special human being he is, but also a leader. And I think as players, you recognize, yeah, your job is to play hockey, but. Uh, you know, home games don't happen or road games without the people in the building to, you know, right from food to to entering security to to every type of, you know, exit, uh, ushers, the list goes on and on to make games happen. And, you know, they get the easy job. They show up, put equipment on, go out and play on the ice. Uh, but it's the other people that really make it, and it's good to see, you know, Flurry step up, I'm sure some other guys. And, you know, the Golden Knights organization, this was a complex thing, as Gary said. Uh, it's, we're only, it's only been a week, and, and I know it takes some time to figure it out, but uh, certainly I think there was no question that eventually they would get this done to make sure everyone was taken care of. Yeah, well, just to be clear, like, you know, these plans have been, you know, have been in the works since last weekend. It's just uh, they had to, there's a lot of entities involved. They had to get everybody uh, sort of on the same page and figure out how this was going to work, how, what it was going to look like. And uh, um, you just said it's only been a week, but uh, some people on social media were asking some questions about it because there are other teams around the NHL that had already stepped forward, but every arena and every team and every, uh, every organization, it's all different. Some teams would control everything in their building. Well, you know, this building, there's multiple owners in this building. Uh, there's multiple concessionaires. It just goes on and on and on. So this was not just built simple as Bill Foley saying, I got everybody. This, uh, which eventually he did, um, he had to talk, this had to be worked out through a lot of people. And uh, I shouldn't just say Bill Foley. It's Bill Foley, uh, a number of players led by Mark Andre Fleury with that massive 100,000. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, Bill Foley then. So lot, yeah. lots of people involved. And, and that's why I want to go to the press release here, Gary, just to be clear on, on some of the information that the Golden Knights have published this morning on Thursday, March the 19th. And uh, again, just to reiterate, uh, and this $500,000 is a minimum. It, it is not an exact number. It is a minimum. And it is an organization-wide effort to assist the part-time game day employees and arena hourly on-call staff who were previously scheduled to work the remaining Golden Knights games at T-Mobile Arena through the end of the regular season. So, of course, four remaining home games for the Knights in the regular season. And continuing to read from the press release, this is the Golden Knights organization, players, and the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation. So they're going to pool resources there for the employees who may miss shifts due to the pause in the NHL season. Again, it's a minimum of $500,000, and leading the player contributions is Marc-Andre Fleury, who is committed to donating $100,000. And again, 
that language is significant, leading the player contributions, yes. you would expect that other people are going to be involved in this too. Yes, for sure. And it, this will support arena hourly on-call staff that would normally work Vegas Golden Knights home games, including third-party vendors, service providers, food and beverage employees, retail associates, medical staff, event personnel, production and cleaning operations. None of those people work for the Golden Knights. They're all going to be all going to be looked after. The Golden Knights will also support all their own part-time game night employees, which includes the VG cast, VGK cast and crew, arena hosts, PA announcer Bruce Cusick, Vegas Vivas, Golden Bells, Knights Guard, Nightline, the DJ, the Golden Knight, music director, camera operators, control room, <laughs> battle wagon driver, villain and watchman, the ice, the Zamboni drivers, Vegas Golden Knights interns, all the people that we work with uh, across all VGK business teams will also be assisted by these efforts. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that's again from this press release. And it just goes to show the number of different people who are involved in making a Golden Knights game happen. You you show up, and even for us as we broadcast the games, we do see a lot of the people that are working in the bowels of the arena. You see some of them on the video scoreboard. Some of them are more public-facing. But, you know, you're talking about hundreds of people behind the scenes that make it all happen. And uh, that's why uh, it was uh, significant to list all of those different people uh, as you just did Gary uh, and again many of them are paid by the Golden Knights many of them are paid by other entities third parties um, so that is included so Shane I want to get your reaction to the quote from Marc-Andre Fleury in this press release I'll read it for you Marc-Andre Fleury saying a big part of what makes the Vegas Golden Knights game day experience so memorable is the staff working behind the scenes Fleury continues as players we truly appreciate all the employees who work so hard in making the fortress the best place to play in the NHL. They are just as much a part of the Las Vegas community as we are. My family and I, Fleury continues, hope that these contributions not only help those in need, but also inspire others who are in fortunate positions to step up and find ways to help too. We can't wait to see the employees and our fans again soon. Again, Shane, that's Marc-Andre Fleury. That's leadership. And that's a guy, you know, Setting an example, and I think, you know, it's who a lot of the players look to. It's not often you see a goalie, a captain, but certainly a huge influence in that room. And, and when you look at it, I think the interesting thing is, you know, the Golden Knights, yeah, this production, we think of the players and, you know, we're lucky enough to call the games, but, you know, how many teams have, you know, people, the, 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 the nightline and everything, the parade, the battle wagon, the, the entrance, the, the theatrics that go along with a Golden Knights hockey game, you know, along with, you know, all, all the amenities you have throughout the arena. It's unlike anything in the league, and it's good that these people who put so much into these games and add to the atmosphere, to the energy, uh, are going to be looked after. And Gary, just to, to put this in perspective from Billy, Bill Foley's standpoint, um, you know, his comments from the beginning, um, Knights are the epitome of the warrior class. Um, and in this press release, he goes back to that remark and says our foundational principles are centered on helping people in need and defending those who cannot defend themselves. Uh, it just seems that uh, Bill Foley has, in his brief time running this franchise, uh, that is not just 
a, a talking point. Those are not simply words. Um, you know, this is just another example of the action that uh, that Bill Foley has taken in concert with all the other principal parties here. Yeah, well, this shouldn't surprise us, right? You know, like Bill Foley didn't ask for any money from Vegas to when, when they wanted to build the arena. Uh, when October 1 happened, Bill Foley stepped up uh, uh, with his entire organization and his words and his presence, but also his checkbook. And uh, like it's the thing that impresses me about the organization is it's not always just money. And money obviously is really important, but they, there's also time and there's also presence. Like I'll never forget. I will never forget after October 1 being at the Las Vegas Convention Center and those poor people coming out of the room where they are being informed what had happened to their loved ones. And Cody can stand in there in shorts and a Vegas Golden Knights hat and a Golden Knights jersey. And the, these people came out and he just opened his arms and, and put his arms around a complete stranger. And player after player did it. And that, that for me, forever, that will be kind of the my greatest Golden Knights moment. I got to witness that with my own eyes. And it was just it was just an incredible act of humanity. And I don't know if Bill Foley has inspired the players or if the players ever inspired him or if it's been a little bit of both. But this organization finds a way to do the right thing just about every time. And Shane, I'm curious about that. And it's no disrespect to other organizations, but you have been a part of a number of organizations. Can you put your finger on um, why it is that the players who are part of this organization, those uh, some of whom are not with the organization any longer, but the guys who are with the team um, through the first three seasons, there seems to be that extra willingness to take part of it. Uh, I, I wonder if you could put your finger on that. I think it starts with leadership, and that's up top. You know, I've been part of teams before. I think it's important if you're a professional athlete to be involved in your community and be available to to provide whatever they need at certain times. Uh, you know, that that's that, the connection between the fans and the player has to go beyond them just watching and you just performing for them. And I think they they established that early, the identity, the culture, and I think you know from Bill Foley to George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, down through you know hockey ops that even goes back to when they talked about selection of players, looking into character, the type of people they were, you know, and and then it goes from there, it trickles to the room, the type of leadership you have in there, the guys leading the way, and uh, I think that's just. You build that identity, you build that culture. We always talk about it on the ice, but it's it's away from the ice is just as important to have those, you know, those key character, I call them skills because they are the, the skills to be able to work with one another, to be able to to go out and help your community and to be part of it uh, is a huge thing for a professional athlete and a professional organization and team. And, and the Golden Knights have established that right from the beginning. And I think there's a lot of organizations that are similar. I think you, you see it around, you see, you know, for example, I know the St. Louis Blues and it's built through their alumni. They've been around a lot longer. They have a huge alumni there that sets an example that that team follows now. Yeah, and, those guys lead the way. You're right, Chief. They do. And, and, and that's what it starts with. And the Golden Knights, because they're such a, the newest franchise, it's great that it's been set from the beginning. 
Um, so it's only going to strengthen. But you see it in a lot of organizations where the alumni kind of leads the way. Uh, you know, St. Louis is just one example. I know, you know, playing for Brian Burke when I was in Anaheim, it, that was a message at the beginning. We are going to be involved in the community anyway, and you, anything you're asked for, you're, you, you have to do it. It's mandatory, and, and that's fine. And I think most players accept that, and you have to. And I think that builds strength in a team. That builds chemistry through a team to have that type of character involved. Just a note on Flurry. If you guys will recall, in June of 2017, right after the Stanley Cup uh, was awarded and Flurry was part of that team, they unveiled a brand new playground that him and his wife and his family had donated the funds for. He knew he was leaving Pittsburgh. He knew for at the trade deadline, I'm pretty sure that him and Jim Rutherford kind of you know, agreed he would stay and then he would be part of the uh, expansion draft and uh, and Mark would get the pick that he would go to Vegas. So he knew he was leaving. And he and and when he knew he was leaving Pittsburgh, he said, I need to make a lasting um, contribution to this community that's been so great to me. And he'd made all kinds prior to that. But this was a this wasn't a small uh, financial uh Development. This was a big one. He spent a lot of money to leave that to leave that mark. So that was after how many years was he in Pittsburgh? Most of his career. Now it's two and a half years in Vegas. Only two and a half years in Vegas, and something comes up, and he's willing to to step forward with a hundred thousand dollars. Mark Andre Fleury doesn't need to be told what to do. He knows what to do, and he knows it intrinsically. And that's uh, this community is. We can look at saves and and save percentages and all these things. Getting Mark Andre Fleury off the bat at the at the expansion draft was, um, I have to say this, it was the most important pick they made. Well, and, and I yeah. and we should we shouldn't exclude others because Derek nope. Englund's had a huge impact in this community as well. Uh, as as many of the other sure. players, and we could go name by name, and, you know, Flurry right now is kind of front and center, but, you know, we've seen a lot from Derek Englund, who is, you know, a, a Vegas resident for a long time and, and really a fabric of the community. So, uh, and, and that's important to have players that are like that, that are like Englund and Flurry leading the way. Yeah, and the other part of this is, um, and, and- don't get me wrong. This is very positive news and will help a lot of people, but it, it doesn't fix everything. I mean, this is no. um, an unprecedented situation, and you hope that the actions taken here by Flurry, by Bill Foley, and others uh, is an inspiration to other people who are in a position to help out. And um, those who were on the fence, you know, join the parade. Um, we're fortunate, obviously, the Golden Knights are, are taking good care of us. Uh, but we think about uh, just the number of employees that are um, right now without a job. You know, the strip is shut down. Uh, and I, I you live very close to where all of that takes place. And it's quite bizarre to see uh, the Bellagio fountains off, uh, the lights off, and the streets empty. And it hasn't been uh, a shutdown um, since uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. So it is unprecedented times, but we take every little bit of good news that we can uh, in the midst of all of this. And, uh, you know, guys, the, the, the other news, uh, some of it, is NHL related. Some of it is uh, Golden Knights content related. Uh, so Gary, let's turn to you. Some of the other things I know that you and I just talked about a lot of stuff a couple of days ago on our last podcast, but uh, just in a couple of days, what are some other updates that you have seen? Well, we had a, um, a live stream yesterday with uh, 
with myself and Darren Millard and uh, Shane and Dave Gosher will uh, will take over the studio tomorrow. And uh, it, it, just so you know, when we're in the studio, we are observing social distancing. Uh, the seats are in the studio are set six feet apart, and uh, it, there's usually only one or two other people in the studio. Uh, the producer uh, um, Andrew Abramson is at the is at the far end. He's by himself, and then there might be. Uh, you know, Alyssa Girardi or Sage Salmons, one of our uh, our content managers, might be might be in the room. But we're all, you know, it, it, everyone is six feet apart from one another, and we observe social distancing when we do it. So, uh, Shane, what are you and Dave guys? You've had a production meeting. What are you guys going to be doing? Uh, we're going to replay uh, some of the the top plays we've seen from the Golden Knights this past season. Uh, we will, uh, yeah, we will be at least, uh, I would say, seven feet apart with Dave. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, <laughs> the seats, the the seats only go so far. Oh, Shane. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. No, you know what? It it is. We're going to try and bring some good content uh, tomorrow. And and you know, sometimes when the two of us get together, who knows where it goes? But we're certainly yeah. going to cover. Uh, you know, the Golden Knights. Everybody wants to see hockey right now. Uh, we saw. I saw. I watched a replay. I watched a hockey game last night. Uh, yeah. which was uh, nice to do, the the win over the Ottawa. It's strange to see uh, Mark Stone in a different jersey. Uh, yeah. But thanks well, to him, they won the game. So uh, he was still helping <laughs> back then. Well, hey, I watched it as well. And it was, you know, uh, Duchesne, Dezingle, Stone, not to mention uh, the guys behind both benches are, uh, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Guy Boucher and change. Gallant, a lot of change. Uh, well, with the Senators, it's been massive change and uh, and some change with the Golden Knights as well. Eric Halla was on uh, and uh, and um, well, whole third line, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Eakin, yeah. Eakin Lindbergh, and, and Carpenter. Yeah, right. Uh, and and uh, you had Patch Reddy and Stastny were were both injured, so yeah. uh, it was it was very bizarre to see. And of course, you guys are talking about the VGK replays on television. Our friends at AT and T Sportsnet, the Rocky Mountain region is replaying these games and there is a a full slate of games it began last night which was march 18th wednesday with that game from october of 2018 Uh, don't want to spoil the ending but you guys mentioned mark stone um who took a penalty on a jonathan marcia breakaway and uh I don't want to tell you any more than that, but it was fun to watch it. I, I, I tweeted it because Gary and I don't really get to listen to Dave and Shane do the play-by-play because we're calling the game on the radio. So just from that standpoint, uh, I was I was wondering if, if Gosher would break into song during the broadcast like he does on the podcast. No, D- Dave loves to listen to himself. I'm sure. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I like turn it down. I'm so critical. I don't like to. I don't like to watch or listen to myself. So uh, I just kind of. Well, what's watch it the like game. for you, Shane? Like, do you when you're watching a game like that? Are you still thinking like an analyst? Like, oh, oh yeah. we should have done this. But are you then also <laughs> thinking like, oh, I should have said this? That's why I turn it down because I get <laughs> I get too I get way too critical of myself. You should have uh, seen the text I, going back and forth between Shane and I last night. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was watching a couple of players and I was yes. like, Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This, anyways, uh, <laughs> Some guy was we'll leave that stuff off air. That was, <laughs> of course, uh, that's a private just, conversation. Of Gary. Course Come it on. Was. I wasn't going to repeat any of it, Shane. But yes, yeah. I, I do. I, I still like to watch the game and break it down. And it's funny. My memory isn't the best. So I'm like, you know, I'm watching and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this game isn't going the right way. Why are they showing it? And then I kind of <laughs> had to, I had to look it up to recall and refresh my memory. The only, oh, yeah. the only criticism I had was that they didn't have a uh, 
uh, second intermission segment called Lawless and Order. Right? Well, that, to me, complete <laughs> outrage that that wasn't shown. The best text I got all night was Dave Goshi said, these intermissions are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Did, I, wonder if Dave, course, I wonder if there was enough time in those intermissions last night, Shane, for Dave to get in his standard restroom break. Uh, no, oh. there wouldn't be. <laughs> no, certainly not. And, and of course, this was just the first one, but there are uh, a number of them. I believe it's 16 that are lined up that are scheduled as of now and they've got the full schedule on the Vegas Golden Knights website so you can go to VegasGoldenKnights.com and and see the times and the games are there any games that you guys are, are looking forward to in particular that uh, you you want to watch again because there were a couple I was wondering if if they would make the cut there's one in particular I want to watch how about you guys well, I think there's a lot. They had a couple of great games against St. Louis here in the new year that were uh, highly entertaining. Uh, I'd love to see, uh, you know, Mark Stone had that uh, dominant five-point performance in Florida. Uh, you know, there's there, there's a lot of really good games. The Tampa game with the Shea Theodore game, that's the one yeah, that I want to watch. Me too. It, uh, that finish was uh, tremendous. And it's actually, it's funny, every time I see that goal, my buddy David Delzato has glass seats right at the at the top of the blue line there. And when Theodore scored, he jumps out of his seat onto the glass. And uh, uh, it, obviously the goal was fantastic, but I always see David jumping in there. I always love to see that. He's a great guy. Can you see yeah. him in that situation? Because oh, yeah, that, that's interesting. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I, I played with a guy, Doug Huda, when he wasn't playing, he was for the LA Kings, but he was a healthy scratch. Wayne Gretzky's goal to surpass, to go past Gordy Howe, him celebrating. When you look back in the glass as a healthy scratch is Doug Huda and all those pictures of Gretzky celebrating his go-ahead goal. So it's always a good thing. To, you, you might get yourself in an iconic picture. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, the uh, one that's on tonight, which is March 19th, uh, is going to be a game against the San Jose Sharks, which was from November 24th, 2018. And uh, not only do you have these broadcasts, but the other cool thing is that the Golden Knights content crew is following along. So you can go to the Golden Knights website right now and read sort of what the game notes were going in. Like, this is where things were at that time going into the game. And then, as the game is airing on AT&T Sportsnet, the Golden Knights Twitter account is following along and tweeting things about the game. So I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I, I think that's pretty neat. Well, I went live on Instagram last night. Yeah. They had me go live on Instagram during the overtime talking to fans and taking questions from them while they're watching the game. So, uh uh, some unique uh, broadcast ad additions to the broadcast but with using our third and second and third screens. Pretty fantastic. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, and, uh, and I know a number of people have asked about the potential of some rebroadcasts on the radio. We are uh, having conversations about that, so stay tuned. We'll see if that can get worked out. But uh, it, my old uh, stomping grounds in Syracuse, uh, going back to 2017 in the Calder Cup playoffs, they uh, rebroadcast a, a radio call from, um, it was May 17th of 2017. It was Game 7 between the Syracuse Crunch and the Toronto Marlies. And the home team had won every game in that series. And so they aired it yesterday, and I couldn't help but dig into the archives and pull out some old game notes and kind of go back to what was uh, the spring of 2017, of course, before the Golden Knights ever played a game. But the wild thing was you listen to it, and you forget some of the little things that were critical at the time time and the thing that i started the broadcast with now we're talking about the war memorial arena syracuse new york opened in the early 50s 
And there's been hockey in Syracuse for decades, go back to the 1930s. But one of the other tenants in that building in the 50s was the Syracuse Nationals. Today you know them as the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, that Game 7 that Syracuse played against Toronto in 2017, Syracuse wins. It was the first time that the home team won a Game 7 in that arena since the 1955 NBA Finals when the Syracuse Nationals won the NBA championship. So 1955 Game 7 to the 2017 Game 7. I, I, I had forgotten that, but that's how we kind of uh, started the broadcast. So that was pretty cool. So uh, that's how I spent my yeah. uh, Wednesday afternoon uh, uh, listening to that because it was on 4 o'clock Pacific time, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, so it's sort of a day-to-day -day thing with stuff to do. It's great to do these podcasts. Definitely keeps us engaged. But uh, Shane, we didn't get to hear from you on our last podcast about how things are uh, doing uh, at the Nighty household other than the homeschooling. So uh, what is, uh, what's the experience like over there? Oh, I've been, this is like a full week. So since we returned from Minnesota, we have been inside our home uh i'm not good at it uh let's just say that i'm not a guy to sit still so it's been a challenge but uh uh for me workouts uh, are, are number one i need if i get that that's like that's like kind of my therapy puts me in a good mindset uh, uh obviously my video games uh with my son although i've beaten him at nhl 20 he won't play me anymore because uh, <laughs> he says i because i chirp too much uh, but, that, but that, you know, I'm just trying to strengthen, uh, you know, this is strengthen his, uh, you know, his mindset. Uh, you know, we've played games, we've watched shows, we've watched, you know, you try to do as much as you can. But uh, I think the big thing, you know, books, you got to stay busy. I think anybody that, that, yeah. that just sits there, that, that's when it gets difficult. I may, uh, I may have a beverage every now and then uh, that, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> just just to relax and but it is a trying time. This is this is unique for for a person like me, and I'm sure there's others out there um, that have trouble. I, I had helped to watch a hockey game last night. Uh, I've you know there's a, obviously a lot of jobs uh, to do around the house, so just a matter for me. I I need to keep busy. I need to keep moving. Uh, I need to do to do a lot. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I think I've angered everyone in the household pretty much daily. <laughs> That's pretty much a daily occurrence. Uh, there you go. As we go. But, uh, you know, it was good to get on with you guys today. Uh, today, a lot of my day was spent just trying to set this up. I, I had help from uh, from family, but that didn't work. We we had quite the ordeal. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't help but think, Shane, given your not only broadcasting career, but your playing career, too. There have been a couple of lockouts. Um, this is a different situation. But how might the the previous experiences of NHL lockouts uh, impact your preparation for this? What's similar? What's different? Yeah, it's interesting. I think the lockouts were different in the in the scenario. The 0405 lockout. You know, I missed the first half. The second half, I went and played. Uh, I played down for the Florida Everblades in the ECHL. I went and lived down in Astero, Naples area, which wasn't a bad thing. So that. Uh, for me, the, the thing I can compare to the most, I don't think I can compare anything to this, to being, you know, self-quarantine, staying at home, the, the inability just to, to go and, and, and interact, interact with people is the big thing uh, for me. Thank goodness we're, we're in a different age now, too, where we can do this type of thing where you can FaceTime, yeah. you can talk online. I think when I got injured uh, in 2010 at the Arizona Coyote, well, at that time the Phoenix Coyotes camp, and tore my rotator cuff, uh, without a contract, 
and went back to Winnipeg, uh, you know, after getting surgery, uh, six months was supposed to be thought my year was done. Uh, I was miserable pretty much for, you know, October, November, December. We just, you know, moved back there. We didn't have many people we knew. There was a lot of time at home. Uh, it got to the point where eventually I was, I, well, I don't want to say I was kicked out of the house, but I was forced out. And I was, I was told to put on my big boy pants and, and get serious. <laughs> Uh, instead of moping around, that's the that's the nicest term I can put it in right now. But let's yeah. just say I was I was told to to get my ass in gear. I'll say it at that. And uh, I started. Uh, you know what I got into then? I got into CrossFit and started mm. working out again. Back to workout. And then my I didn't hit the ice again till January one. And then came back. So I you know keeping busy. And that was the year I eventually joined the Boston Bruins in late. Uh, February went on with them to win the Stanley Cup but uh, the first part of that year was probably one of the most difficult uh, things I went through uh, and the only thing maybe I could compare slightly to what this is about actually yeah, I can I, remember seeing Shane I was doing I was so a, desperate I went on air with Gary back yeah there then. you go <laughs> we were doing uh, Mike Keane has a, a celebrity all-star tournament where he gets a bunch of NHL alumni to come around and then uh, teams teams collect money and the team with the most money gets the highest draft pick and you know he has like you know great NHL players there and Shane was included in that and uh, uh, yeah, Shane came up to me and said I don't know what I'm going to do what, tell me about what you're doing and uh, lo and behold uh, uh, not too long after that uh, after he won the Stanley Cup he got his uh, he got his start in broadcasting on the radio broadcast uh, of the Winnipeg Jets so uh, it didn't take long didn't Shane long to adjust yeah, and we think, you know, there have been a couple of times where you've missed good chunks of the season, of course, uh, 95 and then in 12-13, but then, you know, the entire 04-05 season was missed, and I, I wonder, Shane, in terms of, like, the uncertainty, uh, like, this is a different kind of uncertainty because it's not about negotiating. There's no ill will between the players and the league, uh, but there's uh, an even greater question when it comes to, like, kind of what do you do? Like, do you, do you keep in shape? Do you take a break? Um, you know, there's the possibility we're, we're hearing discussions about hockey resuming not until September, August, but it could be sooner than that. Uh, just in terms of a player's mindset right now, what should the guys be thinking about? Well, I think the guy, number one, they, they will they will continue the workouts. These guys are, are in, in peak physical condition. Uh, it's ingrained in them to, to continue. You know, they may have taken a couple days off. I think, you know, for the most part, what's going to be the hardest is interacting with their teammates. But I think, again, in today's age, uh, whether they're, they're group text, I'm sure they got a team chat going. I'm sure they've got video going. I'm sure daily they're in communication with one another. They, the toughest thing for a player is being away from the guys. Being away from the game is easier than being away from the guys because mm -hmm. that's your, your brother. You spend more time with them than you do your own family. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure they are enjoying not to say they will be, you know, especially a lot of these guys have young children. It's a great time to spend a lot of time with them. But I think right now, you know, for, for the players, uh, you know, keeping themselves as sharp as you can. Uh, I'd imagine the majority of them have, you know, some sort of, you know, homes set up to, to stay in shape, to, to work out. When a lot of them will have, you know, they may, like I do, I have, you know, hockey stick puck net whatever you need to shoot to, to stick handle things like that and then outside of that the most important thing for them is being in contact with their teammates and which I'm 
positive as much as as we have. We talk just us, right? (laughs) So it it would be the same for for those guys. Uh, Just, you know... You know, communication with one another, uh, I think, is very important in these times and, and with their families, of course. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure they have, uh, you know, jokes going on and certain little things. I, I don't know how Flurry maybe is, is he is he got text pranks going, I, you know, that, <laughs> just, just, to, just to try and keep as much normal as he can. I talked to three of the guys yesterday. I talked to Schmidt, Carlson and Carrier. Carrier is in a unique circumstance in that his girlfriend, Caroline, just had a baby girl, Stella. So Will is um, William is getting to participate uh, in. Like Shane, you can speak to this. Normally, in, when a, when a baby is born in the regular season, the player, you know, st- sticks around for one day and then. It's back to work, and there are no night feedings. You know, your wife uh, or your your significant other handles all those because you got to sleep so you can be ready for practice or ready for a game. And uh, William is, you know, he's able he's able to participate in all of this stuff. He said, he goes, look, I'm I don't I'm really disappointed that the season is is paused. But if this was ever going to happen, um, this is a great time for me so I can take part in the early days of my daughter's life. Well, certainly it's, it's, it makes it special for him to be there and, uh, uh, it, it, and to help out. I'm sure it's much appreciated that he is, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, through mine, uh, two of them, one, one on the birth, I flew out three hours later to Boston, uh, when I was playing in Ottawa, uh, I, I skipped the day before because we knew it was coming. Had had, uh, had her, and then flew to Boston. We had a line brawl that next that next game. I fought Hal Gill, and then uh, uh, our when our next daughter was bro- born, she was three weeks old, and I was traded, and I left from oh, Ottawa geez. to Nashville. So uh, yeah, there's certainly uh, at times like this, uh, the significant others would appreciate uh, guys being home and and being there to help. Quick question: Should we YouTube that scrap between you and Hal Gill? How'd you do? Uh, it wasn't mine. He tried to hang. He's like eight inches taller than me. I've already told him, <laughs> but he he knows. He Hal does not try and say he was a fighter by any means. He, he hung was just on. A, is that he what was you're a saying? big man. Yeah, he hung on. But it was a great. There was a great goalie scrap in it. I think it was Byron Defoe who beat up. I love Patrick Aleem, who was our goalie. Uh, yeah, it escalated quickly, but uh, I was doing it on very little sleep. Uh, a quick trip there. Uh, I didn't get to join, you know, the night before. I was kind of, I remember waking up, I don't know if I slept, got up early, got to the airport, got there in time to morning skate and, and the regular game day. But, uh, you know, that's part of it. That's uh, guys having, uh, you know, children, you, you adjust. Uh, that's first and foremost uh, is being there for them. And right now, uh, Will Carey certainly gets that opportunity. Yeah, and you got more time to spend with family, and that is the silver lining. Try to make the most of it, uh, no doubt about that. Meanwhile, uh, Gary, you know, from a, a hockey operations standpoint, mm-hmm. a couple questions in terms of this pause, and, you know, it's different than the lockout, not only for the league, which would be negotiating with the Players Association, uh, but even in a lockout, uh, hockey personnel would be looking at minor league players. They would be traveling. There's still a lot of hockey stuff that would be done amid uh, a lockout. Right now, this is different. There's no hockey going on anywhere. Um, so what are the things that the NHL League office, the Players Association, and the con- consist- constituent clubs are right now talking about? What are they doing? Yeah, well, I was texting back and forth with Bill Daly this morning, and uh, he's the deputy commissioner of the NHL, and he was explaining to me that uh, he has 
they first of all they have a, a COVID nineteen task force and they have a meeting uh, every day, a conference call meeting every day. I think at around ten a.m. And then he spends some time putting together um, a memo which goes out to all the clubs, which is an update of everything because you know th- all of these businesses are are on hold and people are. Are, are wondering what's next and you can't they can't get all their information from Twitter and from uh, from radio shows or where where how, newspapers wherever they need that information directly from the NHL it, as accurate as it can be so there's a memo that goes out to all the clubs and then he's in contact on the phone with uh, with almost all of the clubs on a daily basis there's lots of questions um, you know some of the things that you know for instance like the critical dates, uh, calendar, which the NHL has, uh, you know, when when does a player become this kind of a free agent? When is a player like so? A player, for instance, that was drafted by an NHL team but hasn't signed. I think it's June fifth. Those some if you after a certain number of years, those players become uh, become free agents. Well, they're going to have to change that date. You know, is July one going to be uh, the date for free agency? Uh, all, you know, all kinds of things. And then now the big thing that I think people are really starting to to look at is the salary cap for next year and for the players escrow for next year you know like there's uh, how, how are they going to handle all of those things so um he did say today that the NHLPA and the NHL have really had excellent communication they've been al- aligned on everything uh, so far in terms of uh, covid-19 and how they're going to do things so uh, th- there's going to have to have what they call transition rules um, and how all of that uh, uh, plays out in the next little while is going to be well. It, it, they it, they can't make any decisions really till they know what's going to happen. I, I will say this: there's a lot of talk right now about pausing the season now and then having a playoff in in. in in August and September and then pausing for October for an off season and then starting the next season in November. Well, the NHL doesn't want to do that or they're not closing the, they're not closing the door on anything, but right now their thought is they don't want to have, if, if they played September and October or August and September and took October off and started the next season in November, that would affect the next season. And they don't want an asterisk on two seasons. And I, the other thing, too, is the economics of this season, a lot of it is already complete. Like Vegas only had four more home games. And if they had, and if they had been a team that had missed the playoffs, that would have been the end of their season. So it, this season, in a lot of ways, has, most of it has been played except for the playoffs. And, and a lot of things are tied to the regular season, and then the postseason is extra. And most teams don't budget, including the playoffs. They budget based on the revenue they would get from 82 games. So I don't want to say banging this season is, is you know going to be, the, and the playoffs is going to be uh, an easy thing to do, but I do think that they're, they don't want to affect next season as well. So, you know, Gary Bettman says the priority is to play, is to award the Stanley Cup for sure, but it's got to have integrity and it can't affect 
next year. There's one theory out there that would have, um, you know, suspend everything and then play the playoffs just with the playoff teams next fall. Well, if you're the Detroit Wet Red Wings, you're not going to be part of that. And then you're going to tell them that they're not going to play a game until December of next year. That can't happen. You can't put their business on hold from now until till December of next year. So uh, you have to keep in mind that the regular season probably for next year has to start on time so that those businesses can start to take in revenue again. Yeah, right. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Shane. But again, you use the Red Wings as an example, Gary. Imagine, you know, the guys who there's let's just say uh, they've got 10 games left. I forget how many they have at the moment. Golden Knights have played 71. uh, So there'd be 11 games left. But just imagine uh, the Red Wings uh, have not played meaningful games in a while. They imagine them going in and playing an additional 10 games in September and then not playing any games for another couple of months and then resuming with the obvious off-season, the free agency, trades and all that. It just just seems so out there. It would be hard to imagine that happening for the non-playoff teams. For a team like the Golden Knights, you can sort of wrap your mind around it. But, Shane, what do you think? Does this make any sense to to just sort of push off uh, maybe a conclusion of the regular season or even the playoffs and then start next season in November, December? I don't know how you wipe a whole season. And, and this is where it gets very tricky is you use the Detroit Red Wings. I'm sure they would love to just say, okay, this season was over. Let's start next year because it's been dreadful. But what about the, the team, like Tampa Bay Lightning team that's been striving for the Stanley Cup for years, been you know one of the best teams, the Boston Bruins, the season they've had, even the Golden Knights who feel they have the best team ever. You know, you, you put so much time in. How can you just wipe it away and say, all right, well, it's over. Let's just start next year. Because uh, it's a long grind. But at this, but there's, like I said, the Detroit Red Wings. There's the Ottawa. There's teams that have no chance at all that would love to just forget this season and, and move forward. And, you know, how do you keep everyone happy? And it, it is. And that's why they're probably looking at hundreds of different scenarios or possibilities to, to play this out. I would still, and this is me, I would still like to see the Stanley Cup, you know, handed out if it's permitted, right? If, if everything takes care of itself and there is still time to salvage uh, this season and playoffs somehow, uh, you know, whether you jump straight into playoffs or whether you, you know, you do a bigger form or a different style playoffs this year where you, you know, kind of, you know, I, I think it was, you know, Gary, you saw Pierre Lebron. I saw he put something out where, you know, he kind of have the division leaders through and then you play from that format to set up, you know, whether it's one game, you know, you give some of those teams that were right around the bubble the chance to fight. Um, I would rather see something like that than scrapping and saying, well, this entire season's done. Um, I think there's a way to work it. And and, and you say getting into November, well, uh, I don't know how this is going to work, but uh, I, I just think it's there's so much work and there's such a grind into the regular season by players, by teams, to get the opportunity to play for a Stanley Cup that it would be, I think it would be a shame that, you know, you don't allow that to happen and, and say, because we're, we're over, if, if you're, I guess, last games, we're, you're, you know, you're well over into the end of the season here. And uh, there just should be some reward for these guys that have, have done so much. Well, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of other factors there. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights spent a bunch of assets to get yeah. 
to get Rob and Leonard, who's going to be a pure rental potentially. You know, what I mean, maybe they resign him, but at this, what that, that the moment they got him for the Stanley Cup for a Stanley Cup playoff run to to, to enhance their goaltending, and they spend assets on that. And there are conditional picks. Look what uh, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning did. They gave away yes. a first round pick for Coleman. And they gave away a first round pick for um oh it's evading me right now. It'll come to me in a second. Goodrow. Good Barkley Goodrow. So it, it, you know, th- th- those are big expenditures. Also, all kinds of conditions out there. If this team makes the Stanley Cup, it be a second becomes a first, or if they become a playoff team, a fourth becomes a third. All of those things. How do they solve all of those conditional um picks that are attached? To trade, so there's a lot of things. I would say this, Shane. I agree with you. I, I, I 100% want to play the Stanley Cup, and there are some things that I'm happy to see go. Scrap the All Star Game, shorten training camp. Yes. Uh, scrap rookie camp. Um, scrap development camp. All of those things that take time. Preseason. Preseason. If you have to, <laughs> please. If you, if you yeah, have to enough. shorten, <laughs> if you have to shorten all of that stuff. In order to listen, uh, if 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 sixty days, uh, I think is probably going to be short. But let's say we can get back to hockey July one, you know, if, or even if it's July fifteenth, uh, and and it takes you into the middle of September to play the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm okay with that. And then you have a shortened off season and get right. You know, it'll be a bit. If it went to the middle of September. That you know, October seventh, I believe, is when the uh, the regular season was supposed to start next week. That would give you a a three week off season. You'd have to do an amateur draft. You'd have to do free agency. See, like you can't do an amateur draft until you until you complete the playoffs. If you're going to have playoffs, until you complete the playoffs, because you can't slot in where everyone's going to be going to be picked. So you'd have to have a you know have to. You'd have to do the lottery at some point when you know who's in the playoffs and who isn't. And then you'd have to wait for the amateur draft till after the cup was awarded, have the amateur draft, have free agency. It, it, it would be a busy couple of three weeks, but there are things you can strike off the calendar from my perspective. And, and I think that it's also worth pointing out here that I, there's got to be a, a school of thought that is, let's get playing games as soon as it is appropriate and allowable by the governments. We talked about on the podcast the other day, the CDC talking about no large scale events for 60 days. So you're talking about mid-May. Now, again, who knows how things unfold um, and how uh, the government updates its expectations for the public, but also think about, you know, if you, you want to get the season going um, in, let's say mid-May or, or June, that can help a couple things that you know somebody actually asked me like can the nhl play games in july and august as it relates to the temperature because of the ice conditions um then you've also got the the aspect of the broadcast rights holders and in the united states that's nbc and do the olympics go off as scheduled in other words you could have the Stanley Cup Finals, Stanley Cup playoffs happening the same time as the Olympics are happening in Japan, and then how would they handle that in terms of broadcasting everything? Because they have the rights to both of those events. Um, so there are a few things there. What do you guys think? Well, I think that you know NBC is obviously a huge partner, and the NHL is you know about to begin negotiating their next broadcast contracts, and uh, you know certainly you have to. NBC's been a great partner. You want them 
you want them to be part of things. So uh, if the, the the Olympics would have to get pushed back, I think a little bit if you're going to play hockey in July. I, I don't think I think it's July 24th. The Olympics is supposed to start. I don't think they can be competing. I think that would be a bad situation. Uh, Shane, just I, I know like. Golden Knights played in the Stanley Cup Finals in June. It was 117 degrees here on that day for Game 5. Um, but I have been asked the question, so I guess it's worth bringing up. Um, in terms of ice conditions uh, in the summertime, is there any, uh, from a player's standpoint, concern about the ice if you're playing games um, in some of these buildings and climates that are not normally playing games in the summer? I think the biggest issue, well, you, you see it year-round. They you, you play in Florida. They, they played an outdoor game in L.A. Um, right. So the, they certainly have the, you know, I guess the technology, whatever it is to, you know, these arenas are built for warm weather. We, Especially we the newer ones. Yeah, exactly. The newer buildings. In Vegas, they were able to do it. Um, I think maybe the tricker would be the, maybe the, the, the markets in Canada that are used to the, the, the colder weather. Yeah, weather I'm thinking year like round. Calgary, old building yeah. in Calgary. That they have the struggle. potential of going far. Like, that's the one that came to mind for me. But did you get ice bad all year round? I would yeah. think they'd be able to make the proper adjustments to required to facilitate. And these rinks, you got to remember, they, they still hold uh, summer development camps. So the ice is in, it's not like they, you know, they, they take it out. I think there, there's ways to make sure the ice is, is ready to go and, and for guys to be able to play year round. So I don't think that would be an issue. I, I agree with Gary. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, as a player, you know, if you're not injured, yeah, you need a couple weeks off train, get right back, but you can certainly, like you said, you can shorten training camps already short. They they do three days and they're into preseason. That's all they need. Three days. They could do maybe you do one or two games. Boom, you're right in. You cut the All Star game. Of course, the Olympics next year. That's an issue, but it doesn't look like we're going to see NHL players going. I don't know. Gary could touch more on that. Uh, I just think there's certain ways to make the right adjustments uh, if needed. Uh, who who knows again when this could possibly start? But I think there could be a quicker turnaround than a lot of people think, and I think players. You know, I, I would think they would be up for it just to, to have the opportunity that they don't lose a complete year. Well, I think, you know, uh, we talked a little bit already about uh, Bill Daly and, that, uh, and those conference calls. I would imagine a part of their, of their task force is they have guys doing research on just that. What do we have to do to fix the ice plants and to help the, um, the conditions in our arenas if we have to play in July and August. And I'll tell you, one of the arenas that is best suited for that is the one here in Vegas, and it's because heat isn't the enemy of ice, it's humidity. humidity. And there's no humidity here. So, and I guess maybe you get to a point where you say, okay, we can't play games in uh, in Tampa uh, because of the humidity and, and the ice. Maybe you have to play them somewhere else. I, I don't, you know, that would be obviously a disaster uh, a, a terrible situation, but these are things that they'll be looking at. Yeah, and again, they have, they do have these, you know, summer rookie tournaments. And yeah. I mean, there is hockey happening yeah. all over North America, even in the summer months. And you would expect that uh, NHL buildings that might need special attention would get it. So I, I just had to bring that up because uh, it was not something that I considered, given how hot it is in Las Vegas. And you mentioned the outdoor game in Los Angeles. They have the technology uh, these days. So uh, who knows? I think there are other considerations that would uh, trump those thoughts. 
spots as it relates to uh, playing games in, say, June, July, and August. If they can play by then, I, I think that that would be something they'll try to do. Uh, so that as it pertains to the resumption of play, guys, um, anything else on your minds as it pertains to the NHL on pause? Because I got uh, one or two more uh, non-hockey questions for you before we wrap up. I think we're good. Come on, Dad. Let's go. Let's go non-hockey <laughs> for a bit. Let's do it <laughs> until we watch a little bit more. And that, the next replay will have more hockey. There you go. Well, I tell you, the uh, the thing that I remember doing uh, on the radio, trying to fill time in the summer months when there's just Major League Baseball, and uh, if it's not happening uh, where there's teams that you cover that are in a race, you, you need other topics. So it's it's not new for those of us who've done daily radio. And one of the things that, for me, got the largest uh, outpouring of response, tons of phone calls, was sports movies. So uh, especially since we are covering uh, hockey here, I wonder for those folks listening to us who uh, love the Golden Knights but are trying to get their hockey fill through film, what might be some of your favorite hockey movies that you might recommend people to watch here to fill their time? Shane, I'll let you go first because you spent... uh you spent all those years uh, on the bus in junior, and uh, Dan and I have spelt, <laughs> spent some time on the bus, but not as much as you. Well, number one for, you know, is a staple is slap shot. Yes. It, uh, without question, yep. growing up in Canada, you didn't, you didn't play junior hockey without watching that at least 10 times a year. Uh, and that, that, to me, <laughs> to this day, will still remain number one. Um, I, I know the one that a lot of people like, which I will refuse to watch, and I'm not a big fan of any of them. You can take those Mighty Ducks series. If you got them, <laughs> take it and step on it. it. has nothing to do with real hockey. Not, not the Slapshot does, but a lot more. I'm not a fan of any of the Ducks movies. I'm sorry. I played for, played for the Ducks, but the movies, no thank you. Uh, I don't like the knuckle puck, the triple deke. I know all about that because my kid liked it. The flying uh, V. There, there's one, uh, the mystery in Alaska. That <laughs> yeah. uh, was a unique one. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say Miracle's good. I know. It is good. Uh, just yes, for, for, right. for, all, uh, for Dave and Dan and, uh, and the rest. Yep. I know that was the one gold medal. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> well, you're missing one. You're missing one. Well, are you going to say goon? No. No, but although the, the Goon series, uh, Goon is oh yeah, better I than... admit you're right, Gary. I am missing one. Yes, Young Blood. Young Blood. Yep. Yeah, Young yes. Blood. I'm glad <laughs> that's the one you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Young Blood yep. was uh, Young Blood and Slapshot are my two favorites. Uh, young Blood's uh, a young Rob Lowe. Yes, Patrick that's right. Swayze. There's a whole Patrick bunch of Swayze, guys. Patrick Swayze, uh, Keanu then, Reeves. The best part about Young Blood was all of the NHL players. Uh, that were like young guys that were used as extras in that one. And uh, you can kind of sit there and go, that's Pete Zezel uh, as you watch, uh, <laughs> as you watch it. I, uh, I enjoyed that part of it as well. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm with you on those. There, there seem not to be as many hockey movies as there might be you know, some like of the baseball, other sports. So many baseball and, movies. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are a lot of uh, great sports films. I mean, I, I slap shot, I think is the number one sports movie. Forget just hockey. I think Slapshot could be the best sports movie ever made. Uh, but Durham? if you get, in, yeah, I was going to say that's the next one. Bull Durham on the baseball side of it, um, and, and you know, like I know it's a different generation. You got kids who love uh, Space Jam on the basketball side, but you can go to Blue Bloods and um, or pardon, not Blue Bloods, but Blue Chips for basketball, yeah. and you could go down Hoosiers. the list. The Hoosiers, right? Yep, exactly. Uh, Hoop so dreams. 
hoop dreams. Yeah. There are a ton of sports movies. I'm just, uh, especially if you you cut out the Mighty Ducks films, which might have been fine if you're, you know, ten years old or something. But uh, but no, I I just uh, I think here's an opportunity. Somebody in Hollywood ought to notice that there's room for additional quality hockey films. Uh, and as much as I love Happy Gilmore, uh, it's not a sports movie. <laughs> it's, it's not a hockey movie anyway. <laughs> it's golf. Uh, he starts out as uh, as a hockey player, right, with his Bruins jersey on. Uh, that he uh, pounds Bob Barker a few times there on the golf course. Uh, great comedy, but uh, I don't think I'd put that in the world of a hockey movie discussion. Uh, the last one in, in terms of sports, though, guys, uh, Gary Lawless putting together a trampoline in his backyard. How did how did that go, Gary? <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, so I, I, when I was a young boy, uh, my father bought my brother and I a hockey net for Christmas and uh, made the mistake of waiting until, you know, after uh, a few rum and cokes on Christmas Eve to try and put it together. And the thing was a complete mess. So as I was putting the trampoline together yesterday, my brother actually called me and I said, I can't talk to you. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm putting together a trampoline. He goes, well, you, you can't stop the talk. I said, do you remember our hockey net? He goes, okay, got it. So I, I will say this. Um, it took three hours uh, from beginning to finish. It, I didn't, uh, sometimes you have to go back over a step. I had to make, you know, sort of one change on one small part, like I did something wrong and went back and, and fixed it. But every screw that is supposed to be in it is in it. Uh, it's all, like, it is done to spec. Uh, and my daughter, Lauren, stood out there with me for the whole three hours and I said to her at the start, you'll be my assistant. She wasn't my assistant. This was a partnership. Uh, I may have oh. had the white hat on and sort of said, go get this, go do that. But she quickly figured out, like a lot of it is repetitive. So she'd see me do one section and then off she went to do her own sections. Uh, we got done before nightfall and she was on the thing. I had one beer, only one beer during the uh, during the <laughs> assembly. I may have had a couple more after, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't have got it done last night. It would have because well, we, we would have lost light and I wouldn't have been able to finish it. So uh, uh, as much and I'm I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty pleased with myself that this got done. But the, the great joy out of this was that my nine year old kicked in. It's hers. But and she she had a major it was a partnership, not a not not an assistant role. She was a full partner. And that's why it's done. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Rookie. What do you mean? You would have paid, I've, I've put you together, paid the I've put together to two of those things, but I'm not hand. I, I like oh I boy. get it done, but I like look at the picture. I don't do use instructions. And, as, and as long as it looks close enough to the pitch, yeah. I've been, I've had my day. I've done so many Christmases with those plastic. And as long as they crap. don't fall apart. Oh my, my, gosh. My, my best one I ever did is putting together the whole outdoor, like uh, the little house, the wooden oh, yeah. house uh, with the slide and the swing set. It was a great day. It was at our summer, uh, summer card when I was playing. And I, it was awesome because I had my brother and dad there who are completely Whoa, different from me on, and handy. So on. I sat back. <laughs> this oh, no. is, this is, your so I pretended is... like I was going to lead the way. I had the instructions. I'm like, well, we'll just do this. And, and both of them are instruction like focused. They, you know, you can't, they get mad at me. So I knew they would. So I started, no, no, let's just do it this way. And by the end of it, I was sitting down about, I would say, six or seven deep on the chair. And the two of them were arguing their way through it and they Con finished artist. it off. Con artist. That's terrible. 
Oh, it was perfect. I got pictures oh, of it. And they were arguing, and I was laughing, and it was great. Yes, you should do a podcast uh, of that sometime. Yes, there, there you go. go. Well, guys, I think that about wraps it up uh, here today. Thanks very much uh, for, for spending the time. And, of course, uh, we send best wishes uh, to the Nighty household, the Lawless household. And, uh, and, and no Dave today. We, Dave checked in on the last podcast, but uh, we get to see Dave and Shane live tomorrow. What time is that uh, stream tomorrow, Shane? We will be on at noon. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll check for an update uh, on Dave uh, See how he's doing at home. I, th- I think he's, he's trying to fix his fridge, which is not a good thing uh, oh, no. this, uh, during this time. Yeah. So. No kidding. Uh, yeah, he, we'll, he, we'll be streaming at noon tomorrow, we'll, but maybe we'll bring fridge updates by then. There you go. He did mention that on our podcast the other day when he filed his report from home. Uh, the, they got to keep the ice cream cold and the beer cold, too, over at uh, Gosher Estates. All right, guys, well, that about wraps it up. Again, just uh, recapping the news today, uh, we wanted to talk about uh, the news of the Golden Knights announcement, which relates to the $500,000 minimum that the team will be providing uh, to the employees who uh, would have been working at the four remaining Golden Knights home games. Uh, all of the details, as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights website. We'll have uh, additional SLGND podcast recordings in the future. If you have thoughts for us to discuss, uh, questions that we might be able to answer, you can always use hashtag SLGND. That'll just about do it for us. Thanks to Gary. Thanks to Shane. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast presented by the D Hotel.